Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host today, Sam Carroll, joined by Adam Jones, Chris Beasley, and Dave Prentice. As we chew the fat, as Phil Kirkbride has copyrighted <laughs> on all the big Everton talking points this week. Adam, a week off. Welcome mm-hmm. back. Thank you. How are you feeling? Uh, tired. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't did do a lot of resting on my week off, unfortunately. But uh, back, back for some big Everton news. When you uh, when you went off, did you did you feel like Everton would have a manager in in installed by the time you came back? No, no, I don't miss big Everton stories like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was half convinced that they would they were going to wait until uh, I was back from my week off. Uh, so that seems to be the case. Thank you. Well, we will be discussing the Everton new manager hunt, and in particular, Nuno Espirito Santo does seem to be the favourite for the position after leaving Wolves at the end of the season. But some big breaking news that came out shortly before we all sat down to record over Zoom is that Everton have got permission to go on site at their new stadium at Bramley Moor Dock and conduct some key tests uh, that are important for for the build in the future. And I think if if you read Phil Kirkbride's exclusive story, it mentions... Going as far as to check for unexplo- unexploded objects. It all seems very mysterious, doesn't it? Well, I mean, I'd rather be got them out of the way now. To be honest, start building and then go, oh, oh, oops. Uh, but yeah, I think it, this just this just is an important day again, isn't it? And it feels like feels like we've we've gone through a couple of months now with you know things being a little bit quiet on the stadium front. Obviously, we had uh, planning permission through a couple of months ago and. It's all just been a case of, you know, trying to get the specific, you know, like marine licenses and just uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on certain certain bits of the Liverpool Council. So it's really, it's really good to see Everton actually on site. And, you know, it's not it's not building work yet. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the plan is to still start construction work in the second half of this year. But uh, it, while it's not building work, it, it is still important to get these uh, to get these surveys done. You know, I think they have done similar surveys. Uh, in the past, but not for a little while. So it's good to get, you know, an update on, you know, the marine life. You know what the, you know, what the bed of the dock is going to look like, and you know, just so that when uh, when they do finally move on and they move on to these construction works, it's going to be able to go as smoothly as possible. So yeah, it's it's really really promising to see news like this, and it's just just a nice little boost to start off the week, really, isn't it? Preno, I think everyone appreciates that. Building a new stadium from scratch is, is a huge job, but even just reading Phil's tale today and, and understanding what's even going into it from this early stage, it's it's quite stra- staggering the, the level of detail that Everton are going to. Yeah, we've said this before, haven't we? I mean, it's just incredible, you know, sort of how meticulous the football club have been 
in all their planning for this. And I know this this isn't like massive news. It's not like a, a JCB moving onto the site or uh, the the symbolic spade going into the ground. Uh, but it is sign that you know things are happening. You know, so that the project is moving forward. And uh, the longer you go where nothing happens, you know how nervous you know so all Evertonians can be about this project. That uh, you know, so people do get a little bit nervous, a little bit concerned. So, uh, yeah, the fact that something is actually physically happening, the fact that some kind of tests are taking place, uh, is heartening. It is reassuring, and it does underline, yeah, you know, so the level of detail Everton have had to undertake. I mean, it's such a huge project. Um, they've talked about um, actually transporting marine life as well, haven't they, from the uh, from the dock into another area before they actually start to fill in uh, the dock, which needs to be done before they can even start building. So it's a logistical, not nightmare, that's the wrong word. It's a hugely complex operation. And this is just the start of it. But it is the start, and the fact that we're actually seeing things happening and we're seeing a little bit of activity is good news. And let's face it, we need some good news at the moment as Blues fans, don't we? Because we've, uh, we've, we've not had a good few weeks so far. There, there was a story that Phil wrote a few months ago that when the new stadium does come up, that there could even be uh, water taxis <laughs> uh, created to, to get to Bradley Moor. Can, can you see yourself a water taxi man? Um, As a future yeah, yeah, well, I, won't be, I won't be swimming over, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> It's heartening that so much detail has gone into this project and the, the sort of that nervousness that Dave spoke about goes back to maybe people of the, uh, I've seen even now the older generation now, like the, the likes of myself and, and Dave, who remember the failed projects of the past, notably the other waterfront um, project that Everton had with, with Kingsdock at the, the start of the 21st century. Given all the upset that came with that not coming to the fore after, you know, a time that seemed that that was going to happen. I think, yeah, everyone is rightly um, apprehensive until they actually see that, um, that 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 tangible change to um to the actual landscape um just to, 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 to fill everybody in about this um obviously as colleagues we don't get to see each other too often during lockdown but sam made a, a visit over to ours in new brighton at the, at the weekend and you know he was taken about the fact that you know you, you can see all of the the liverpool waterfront not just goodson and anfield but that site where new stadium is supposed to be a, a bramley moor dock so for the the likes of myself doing my morning jog in New Brighton, you know, the thought of seeing that skyline change, that iconic skyline in the actual stadium go up, that'd be heartening to see. But before that happens, um, yeah, these these initial checks have, have got to be made. And it, it, it is reassuring that Everton almost haven't let anything go this time. You know, they've learned from those mistakes of the past and been absolutely, absolutely meticulous this time around to make sure... This one really, you know, they get it right and um, it's hopefully well worth um, waiting for. It will be a wait as well, won't it be? I remember reading there, uh, and if, if you're listening and you, you haven't read a really good piece that you did a few months back about the new stadium search, I think, dates back, what is it, about 50 years in terms of all, all the other options? Yeah, the first mooted, yeah. Back. Yeah, um, yeah, it goes back. Yeah, um, it was back in in the sixties. Sort of, I mean, it was very um, sort of speculative talk. But yeah, it, you know, and it, it was mentioned. Uh, I think around the time of the sixty six World Cup, when at the time Goodison Park was the premier um, club ground in the country, it was obviously used um, 
for a World Cup semi-final, controversially um, switched as well at the last minute from uh, it would have been England semi-final. It got changed, which uh, didn't go well down at all. But yeah, so at a time when Goodison was the best club ground in the country, they were already talking about the prospect of a new stadium, a, a shared venue with Liverpool. That never got off the ground, but it's been seriously mooted now for, for a generation now. I, I mean, I remember under Peter Johnson, it was first proposed the mid-1990s when uh, you know, an unspecified venue, would it have been Kirby? Would it have been Cronton? We don't know. Uh, the, the Johnson Dome was never built. And like I said, various other projects, be that the, the King's Dock, which was uh, a real sort of sore point with Evertonians and then less loved kind of proposals like... Um, destination Kirby so you know the, the fans have been have been through the mill with this for, for, for a you know quarter of a century now at least seriously and um, to be fair they've always as much as Goodison is so loved they've always been they've always um, given their approval to any any stadium move and it you know it, it's we're almost at the point now where we, we can actually see things um, starting like I said it would be heartening before the end of the year to actually see some construction work done but yeah if these these last few tests need to be done first because, yeah, you know, like say, filling and dock is a major um, project in itself. Well, we hope that the next man to be appointed Everton manager will still be here by the time mm. Bradley Moore comes along. It feels so long now, doesn't it, Adam, since we've had long-term stability. You've had a, you've had a week off and it's been 10 days since we since the famous Everton manager bingo podcast. Yeah, yeah famous. Nuno, at this stage, we know Everton have held talks for him. He seems to be the overwhelming favourite at this stage. There doesn't really seem to be another name in the frame at this point. Where where are you up to? On Are you warming to it? Are you pleased by it? I, I think it all depends on the circumstances of his appointment, doesn't it? Because, you know, I, I think the point that a lot of Everton fans were making uh, as soon as Carlo Ancelotti departed, was that you know they wanted Marcel Brands to have uh, quite quite the influence on on choosing the next manager because at the end of the day he's the director of football so he should direct the football essentially you know and that should include and encompass uh, choosing the new manager you know he, he didn't really didn't really get the choice over Marco Silva you know he was already pretty much through the door by the time that Marcel Brands was was coming in. Uh, he didn't really have a choice on Carlo Ancelotti either, you'd, you'd have to say, because, you know, when Carlo Ancelotti becomes available, you just go for it, don't you? So it's, it, this would have been the the first real time, I would have suggested, that Marcel Brands would have been able to actually sit down himself and go through a, a list of candidates and come up with come up with a short list that he thinks will be able to take Everton forward. And if it's the case that he has done that and Nuno was on that list and, you know, it's been agreed with the rest of the board that Nuno is the way to go forward, then I think, yeah, that, that does make that does make a lot of sense. And I would warm it warm to it in that sense. If it is more of a case of you know Farhad Mashiri taking over the uh, the managerial search again and Nuno is Farhad Mashiri's man, then I'd have a, a few more doubts and questions about it to be honest. Because you know, why would you why would you give uh, Marcel Brands a new three year contract if you're just gonna do that? So I, I do think it just depends on you know how Everton have will 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 potentially come to this decision if Nuno is is the man to be appointed as you say he's, he seems the overwhelming firm favourite doesn't he so you know he's 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 done really well at Valencia and Porto in the past uh, playing a little bit of a different style of football than he did 
uh, of Wolves, especially you know, last season at Wolves, it was it was uh, a bit different. And I don't want to just judge him on last season at Wolves because obviously there were extenuating circumstances in terms of the amount of injuries that Wolves had to keep players throughout that season. So I think it's maybe a little bit harsh to judge him on just that last season at Wolves. But he's done a really good job at Wolves in the past. Done a really good job at Porto and uh, Valencia in the past as well. So he's obviously a very qualified manager. So there's there's no doubt in my mind that he can come in and be a very qualified manager at Everton again. It's just that you know you do understand that with some fans it does seem a little bit underwhelming, doesn't it? And you know I think any manager would have suffered that to you know follow Carlo Ancelotti at Goodison Park. It's always yeah. going to be an underwhelming appointment to come next. So if if it is if Nuno is to be the man then. There's no doubt that Everton fans will absolutely be behind him. He'll have a really important summer transfer window in front of him, as we've said for the last few years. Uh, but he's got, as I say, a really important summer in front of him to try and get in the players that he that he desires to play this you know, sort of counter-attacking football. Is he going to bring that five at the back to Everton? I'd, I'd, have me, I'd have me questions about that after seeing a few managers in the past try and play yeah. five at the back at Everton. But uh, yeah, there will obviously be a few questions there, but I think any manager is going to face that. So yeah, I think if Nuno comes in, he, he does have a wealth of experience behind him. So I think the, the positives that we can focus on are certainly there. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Preno has, has Adam tortured into Nuno being a positive appointment there, or is he is he yet to grow on you in the in a similar vein? No, I mean the, the one word uh, that I would repeat that you know, so that Adam used there, which I've been repeating to everybody I've spoken to about this, is underwhelming. And uh, you know, I'm being hundred percent honest about this. Uh, to me, it's quite reminiscent of a, of a Marco Silva appointment, not just his nationality, uh, but the fact that you know, so he's come from a a club with you know so lower expectations than Everton, and he's he's done quite well there. Um, I mean, the supporters at Wolves have spoken very very positively about him. Um, and again, you know, so what Adam said about last season being a, an, an odd season for him because uh, you know they were absolutely wrecked with injuries throughout the campaign is probably why they suffered where they did. But you know, Wolves sacked him. You know, so he, they got shut of him. So you know, it's a uh, I don't know. I mean, following Carl Ancelotti is such a tough ask anyway. He's like one of the few managers that managed to unite the Everton fan base totally. You know, so even though he had a dreadful second half to the season, everybody was fully behind him. You know, so everybody still wanted him to succeed. Uh, but Everton fans are resilient. And I suppose the one positive you can say about, uh, about you know, Nuno's appointment, should it be Nuno, is that he won't be overburdened by the weight of expectation. Uh, because you know, <laughs> Everton fans, you know, so I'm really expecting huge amounts from him. But I've done like everybody else has done. I've looked at his, you know, so his career pre-Wolves, and you know, he did have you know good experiences at Valencia and at Porto. Uh, he is a manager with his own identity, with his own you know sort of belief in what he wants to uh, introduce. I suppose the the key thing for me really is what he changes around the football ground if he does come in. 
notably the backroom staff. I mean, uh, is that why things are taking so long now? Are they trying to find a, a, the right role for Duncan Ferguson? I mean, a lot of Everton fans, or a number of Everton fans, were quite keen uh, for Duncan to get the job you know, permanently following his, um, his, his successful, very, very short spell as a caretaker boss last year. And having had a much lesser role in the past under different managers, he was elevated to assistant manager under Carlo Ancelotti and flourished so much so that there were, I don't know quite how, you know, accurate these stories are, but suggestions that he was actually offered the opportunity to go to Madrid with Ancelotti and be part of his backroom team there, but he chose not to, you know, he chose to stay at Goodison Park. So obviously he will need, you know, or you would imagine, you know, the, the, the hierarchy would want him to have an influential role at the football club. So maybe discussions are taking place with Nuno as to exactly what that role could be. Does he just want to bring in, you know, a, a new broom sweeps clean, bring in his entirely new backroom staff? I mean, that was but led to believe why the negotiations broke down with Crystal Palace, A, because of uh, you know, the money he was demanding, but B, because he wanted you know so many members of his backroom staff to come with him. So there's still a lot to be discussed by the sound of it, and uh, a lot of uh, unanswered questions you know, to, to, be, to be answered. So I don't know. I mean, uh, we will get behind him. You know, so we will support him. Of course we will. You know, we want him to succeed. And this is all qualifying the fact that if it is going to be Nuno no Espiritu Santo, because we had no uh, confirmation from anybody at the football club yet, but the fact that nobody's come out and actually you know denied it or told us that you know he's not in the frame makes you think that you know they are inching closer towards that. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, I need to see a little bit more uh, to be convinced that you know so there's the right appointment. Uh, bottom line is we weren't expecting this. Nobody at the football club was expecting this. We were planning for a second second full season of Carlo Ancelotti. And the rug was pulled from under us quite spectacularly. So, uh, you know, if Nuno Espirito Santo is unveiled as the Everton manager, we will be fully behind him. We will support him as much as possible. And, you know, hopefully, unburdened by a weight of expectation, he can be the success that we want him to be. He's one, one of the things I've been thinking about. I don't know mm-hmm. where you stand on this. If, if Nuno Espirito Santo hadn't decided to leave Wolves and, and was yeah. still the Wolves manager. Do you think Everton would have went, went out and got him and paid the compensation for him? Or does this just more feel maybe one of the reasons why, you know, Adam and Dave have both used that word, underwhelming, and I think so many people are using that word. Does it just more feel a little bit like a marriage of convenience at this stage, that he's available and we mm. can get him? And maybe, yeah. you know, the relationship with Jorge Mendes, you know, same agents as James Rodriguez of is there just enough kind of dominoes falling in line to to convince Farhad Mashiri that he is the right man? Yeah, the, the Mendes factor could well play a, a significant part. I mean, I was reading up on Nuno over the weekend. We discussed this. Uh, I believe that um, Nuno was his very first client when he first started out as an agent back in the 1990s when he was a Porto nightclub owner, apparently. So, um, <laughs> that's a relationship that goes back a while and one that might work in events' favour if Nuno is to, to come in. I mean, being being um, even getting a sacked manager uh, doesn't stop Everton from having to shell out in compensation sometimes. Mm. Um, we saw <laughs> that with, with Marco Silva, didn't we? They were still had to agree a compensation package, even though he'd been let go by Watford several months um, earlier. To, to be fair to Everton, like as David said, uh, they had had the rug pulled from underneath them there. 
everyone wanted Carlo Ancelotti to stay and were hoping, you know, we'd be good to his word that he was talking about wanting to still be in charge by the time they did move to the new stadium. Um, ultimately, in his career, um, Ancelotti, other than his spell at Milan, where he'd obviously enjoyed the most success as a player as well, he's, he's only ever spent a couple of years at every club and it's proven the same same ever and uh, where they desperately need that sort of con- continuity, whether it's Nuno or whoever, they need somebody now to, to have some staying power and to, to last a, a bit longer. So to be fair to Everton, I don't think, even though you think having to change a manager during the summer and at the start of the summer as well, would actually be the best time to ever change a manager rather than a couple of the mid-season reappointments they've had to make in recent seasons. There's not a great deal out there, I remember going back to when David Moyes was appointed. He seemed like the natural choice. He was the young, <clears throat> up-and-coming manager in English football at the time. And uh, I don't think there's a, a sort of an equivalent of that. I, I, when Ancelotti went, I thought, I did a piece of Everton. The Everton job is generally the job for a younger man. All of Everton's trophy-winning managers have been in their 40s or younger. Um, and perhaps the way it finished for Ancelotti showed that you do need somebody with fresh ideas and someone with a bit bit of um, energy to take um, the club forward. So there didn't seem to be a David Moyes equivalent that we were looking for a couple of de- decades on. So who, who do you look to? And Nuno in many ways, although he, he doesn't seem overly exciting, seems to be the safe choice, doesn't he? I mean, it's, I don't know some of those crazy names that sort of came into the mix in last week. After those, you almost feel, well, at least you've got, you know, a safe pair of hands with Nuno, with um, some of those strange, I mean, some of them, like obviously Pellegrini had enjoyed success success in the Premier League in in the past, but, you know, he really struggled in his last job at West Ham and David Moyes has sort of shown him up a bit there, but people like um, Fatih Terim from from Turkey, I mean, hugely respected coach over there, but he's only had one spell of um, abroad over 20 years ago, 67 years of age. And you're thinking, where are these names coming from? Um, <laughs> Gaultier again, terrific success of late at Lille. Obviously, a lot, number of great players have come out of there in recent seasons. I believe, again, with the, the language barrier, that'd be very difficult if he speaks next to no English at all. So there wasn't anyone obvious in the sort of the reports we were getting from Phil sort of suggested that, that the candidates they were assessing were a, a much of a muchness. So if, if it is comes to down comes down to that sort of close race like that maybe Nuno was seen as you know the, the safe pair of hands because they desperately need somebody whoever it is to be given time now I mean since Mashiri came into the club um Kuman what was it about 16 months um Allardyce six months um Silver Ancelotti 18 months each I mean even um Martinez didn't do the three full seasons because he, came, he sacked him game before the end, didn't he? So since Moyes left eight years ago, I've not had anyone done three years. And they're moving to the new stadium, hopefully, in three seasons' time. So they desperately need that continuity and somebody to have that stadium power to go in there. It is interesting, isn't it, Adam? Because for, for me and you growing up, we only knew David Moyes. I can very, very, very... I remember uh, seeing that Walter Smith had got sacked on teletext. <laughs> I'm a teletext what time that was. And uh, as Bees points out, since then, no one has really has really lasted the lasted the distance. But I mean, Ancelotti, as Dave said, was so unexpected, and you know, in some ways, quite unlucky that you know a manager who publicly was kind of saying he he was he was enjoying himself and he was here for the long term leave. But 
what do Everton need to do to to, to to get the kind of to be in a position where a manager can thrive over over a pay, over a period of three, four, five years? Because it feels like that's what is needed, especially with Marcel Brand and his role to to really build you know, this way. Project keeps getting used, but we're not giving anyone enough time, or they're not giving us enough time to to do that. But that's that's where I think Marcel Brands becomes really important, doesn't he? Because I think this was a, a really good time for Everton. You know, ob- obviously it w- would have been a lot easier if Carlo Ancelotti had to stay than Everton could have seen out the, the project that they had laid out in front of them with Brands and Ancelotti at the helm. But this was a really good chance for for Brands to then choose choose Everton's identity going forward. You know, this was this was an opportunity for Everton to not just look into the short term and say uh, we need to be looking into this summer and who's going to sign these players for us, blah, blah, blah. They need to be looking five years into the future. What do we want our identity to be five years in the future? You know, What kind of system do we want the, the team to be playing? Not just the first team, but under 23s, under 18s, throughout the club. We want to have one, one surely similar identity that's going to run throughout the club and that's going to take years to, to try and implement. But a coach, a, a first team coach is obviously imperative to that. So I think that's where the importance of of, of Marcel Brand should have should have really come in. And I think that's where the confusion's coming with Nuno at the minute, isn't it? Because I think it's a there's a bit of lack of communication coming from from the club certainly and over the last couple of weeks it's just been very 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 quiet and very distant, hasn't it? We yeah. don't we don't really know what kind of direction Everton are going to be going in in the well in the immediate future or in the long term future. We don't know what sort of strategy Everton are going to be playing. We don't know who's who's chosen Nuno to be the manager, whether that's going to be Brands, Machiri, a combination of the both, uh, somebody else in the club. It, it, you know, it could it could really have come from anywhere. And I think that's that's where the that's where a certain amount of the confusion for Everton fans is probably coming from because I think Bees is absolutely right. We do need we do need that kind of continuity and longevity from a manager, and it's probably it's probably an exemplary of you know, long t- uh, of a modern football recently. That we haven't been able to do that over the last few years. You know, yeah. Modern football is very much chop and change, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and Everton have just fallen into that bracket. I don't think we've spent our money very well since Farhad Mashiri's come in. In general, to be honest, uh, and I think that's probably played a factor as well. You know, you've always had. These managers being labelled with, oh, they've always been big spending, but you know, have you really spent the money in the in the right places, sort of thing? So we just we just need some sort of coherent strategy for the next. I wouldn't even say for the next season, for the next three, four, five seasons. And I hope that if Nuno is chosen, then Nuno is the man who can lead that strategy into the future because that's that's what Everton needs because you can't be having. Another manager coming for eighteen months, and then you know that that, that takes you what eighteen months until the opening of a new stadium. It, it just when we need to really have your European football by the time we move into Bramley Moor, you just you just can't afford to be. I don't want to say waste an eighteen months, but yeah. if, if, if if we were to get eighteen months down the line and the next manager leaves, it does feel like another waste of an eighteen months, doesn't it? So yeah, it it just needs to be. This needs to be absolutely a long-term appointment. If Nuno is the man that they decided on, let's hope that he can be a, he can be that long-term appointment because it, it's desperately needed right now. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
if Nuno is the man Preno, then as we've mentioned earlier, he does share an agent with James Rodriguez, who, who spoke out over the weekend about his future and said that he doesn't think Carlo Ancelotti will take him to Real Madrid for a second time. He thinks the cycle at Real Madrid is over and he's he said he's fine to remain at Everton for another season. Not, not exactly a, a glowing endorsement of his uh, of his happiness at the club, I suppose. But where do you stand on Hammers? Can can you see a man who isn't Carlo Ancelotti getting the best out of him at Everton? And, and do you still think he, he'll be an Everton player come the start of the season? I hope so. Uh, they were strange, those quotes, weren't they? And initially, I was quite heartened by what he had to say because I immediately presumed that, you know, Carlo Ancelotti's exit would also signal his exit. Um, but no, he seemed... I know things can be lost in translation. And I know, you know, the, the actual translation, what was it? You know, if I stay another year, that's fine. Wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement. And it makes it almost sound like he's doing us a little bit of a favour, uh, which, <laughs> you know, which wound me up a little bit. But equally, you know, I'll accept the fact that these things can lose a little bit in translation. And he's an absolute, you know, class act of a footballer. And uh, Everton fans haven't had the opportunity yet to see him in the flesh. Well, not many have. Um, and actually, in fact, I don't think any have, have they? No, I think no, it was no, no, no. when they had two and a half thousand in the stadium. So, no, they actually physically haven't clapped eyes on him yet. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's such a good, gifted footballer. And um, despite what other media pundits may say elsewhere, I thought his first season at Everton was a qualified success. Um, yeah. The injuries were a big frustration. But equally, you know, when he did play and when he was available, which was more than some people think, uh, he had an influence on the game. He scored some very, very important goals. He created some important goals. His, his set-piece deliveries you know, were outstanding. Uh, his vision was outstanding. He's just a wonderful, gorgeous footballer to watch. And if next season isn't going to be a season where we're going to be you know, sort of chasing for the top four or you know, sort of maybe winning trophies, at least let's try and produce some entertaining football and you know, sort of give fans something, to, something worth watching. And he can do that. So, yeah, I was quite heartened to hear him commit his future, albeit, you know, just for one more season at Everton. And uh, I'm quite pleased as well. He's missing the Copa America in a very selfish way because it means that he could come back, you know, so absolutely 100%, you know, so fit and raring to go then. So, uh, yeah, let's just see him out on the pitch. Let's see him with the 40,000 crowd in there. You know, should we be allowed to do that? Uh, I think that'll make a big difference. Because I've said this before, you know, it's, it's the old, and maybe I'm being a little bit overly romantic here, but, the old once Everton has touched you, nothing's the same uh, vibe. And Carlo Ancelotti never got touched by Everton because he never really had the opportunity to play regularly in front of a packed Goodison Park. He didn't know yeah. quite, you know, so what the fans could do there. He spent his entire life in Crosby, you know, so living in lockdown, basically. Um, likewise, James Rodriguez. I mean, the only fan interaction we've had so far is a bottle of Echo Falls being passed him outside the Royal Oak. So <laughs> I, think, I, I think once he gets out there, uh, and the fans actually can transmit to him how much they appreciate a footballer of his quality and his talent. Strange things can happen. I've had this conversation before about uh, when Duncan Ferguson first came to Everton Football Club uh, on loan, initial three-month loan. And I remember uh, talking to him at a hotel down on the south coast of Portsmouth and saying, hey, do you think you'll stay beyond your three-month loan? And uh, his reaction was, I wouldn't have thought so. And you know, that was it. He saw it as a three-month loan until... He scored that goal against Liverpool until he saw the reaction that the crowd had, until he realised that, wow, these people love me, you know, so there's, there's something special going on here. And those kind of things can happen. I know it sounds a little bit over-romantic, that, and, you know, so, you know, proper 
I don't know, sanitized view of things, but strange things can happen, you know, so at Goodison Park when that crowd does get inside you and get to you. And who knows, you know, so if Hamez does make a flying start to next season, you know, so if the fans do tell him how much they appreciate him and what a great player he is, who knows? You know, so maybe it could be longer than one season, we'll have to wait and see. But bottom line is, yeah, you know, I want him to stay at Everton Football Club and I hope he does, you know, so sort of make a flying start to next season and we do get the opportunity to to tell him, you know, so sort of how much we appreciate having a footballer of his quality at Goodison Park. And from thinking about Hannes Rodriguez potentially leaving, but hopefully staying where Everton bees, there's also been a quite interesting rumour, I thought, uh, at the weekend, suggesting that Everton could retain for Nikola Vlasic, uh, mm. saying that they've been impressed with his progress since leaving Everton two years ago. He's in the Croatia squad for the Euros, and uh, his agent kind of didn't didn't rule out a, a return to Goodison Park as well. Where he, he was a kind of polarising figure, I thought, Vlasic, but I still think a lot of fans rated him during this time. Where, where would you stand on a on a return for, for Vlasic? Well, I've not seen enough of him, you know, in, in Russia to sort of give it, um, a, a sort of educated um, appraisal uh, of that. But I just remember from his first time round that uh, Evan, it's almost like they didn't know um, where to where to play him. Really, what his, his best position was, you know, it was almost like was he an old style inside forward, um, winger, a midfielder? What I mean, just where were you going to play him? He's only a young player starting out. It almost seems sort of you could be flippant about this and say typical Everton scouting. They saw him play against them in a Europa League playoff <laughs> for, for Hadjuk Split and was like, oh, we'll sign him. So that'd be typical. I don't, I'm not one of these people who say, oh, that's just like so Everton that that's just, a, but you know, to, to end up buying him back, presumably for a much bigger fee, I don't know. Um, yeah, it, 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 it wouldn't be great. I, I don't know uh, just where where he would fit in because obviously Everton uh, said you know before Ancelotti left, and you know it remains the case whoever is the manager, whether that's Nuno or whoever, they they desperately need someone who can play right wing. And they at the time they said they wanted as a lot of wingers are now, you know that inverted winger who cut inside on his left foot. Whether um, whether Vlasic um, fits the bill now, a couple of years down. The line, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm more open to the idea of players coming back than managers. With I would say, no, just don't do that if you're, a, if you're a manager. <laughs> you know, it wasn't anything personal. Whilst David Moyes, you know, proved when Howard came back twice, it got worse each time. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be more open to that. But I, I don't know just um, how he would fit into the Everton side, and given how it, it, he struggled um, first time round. Adam, another two players we've been linked with as well, Denzel Dumfries and Mateus Nunes. I think I've pronounced that wrong, but not not new there. I was going to say, yeah. Um, but the rumours for them do seem quite strong, and the two players who would be in the in the age bracket that you know you would associate with Marcel Brands, kind of leaning towards. Mm-hmm. It does seem, and fitting in kind of what you've said a little bit about Brands on the podcast today, is that it's quite heartening to think that Brands seems to maybe be putting together a short list of players who, when the new manager is appointed, he can say, maybe, you know, we're a little bit down the line on this player if you want him, or we've, we've done our homework on this player. And Because really, I think supporters would want to start seeing players coming into the club as soon as possible. Once that new manager gets mm. appointed, you know, Liverpool have already signed a player this summer, and you want to get the ball rolling, really, on 
revitalising the squad, don't we? 100%. You, I think the worst thing that could possibly happen for a new manager to be coming into the club would be to be going from a stand and start, essentially, you know, in the middle of a tournament summer, especially when it's, yeah, it's, it's already so compact uh, with so many of, you know, not even just Europe's quality players, but South America's quality players all the way on international GC, it becomes so much harder to try and negotiate transfers while they're, while they're off with their countries. So, you know, if it, if it is the case that Marcel Brands has, you know, has identified a couple of players that he thinks would, would improve the club, obviously, especially Denzel Dumfries is somebody he's going to know very well from his from his time at PSV. Apparently, he was very influential in bringing Denzel Dumfries to PSG, PSV. Sorry, great name as well. In the, a long exactly. time called Denzel Dumfries. <laughs> Denzel is a great name, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm sure I was one of many Everton fans uh, watching him uh, very closely with the Netherlands taking on Ukraine last night, and I thought his performance was. Eye-catching, to say the least. He probably should have scored in the first <laughs> half with that edit at the back post from five yards out. I think I could probably could have scored that and I'm for less than to be honest. So I think he'll have been really disappointed with that, but he then did take his goal really well with that, uh, that clip ball into the back post, really got in front of his man well. Uh, and it, it was just really promising to see. I know he was playing as a wing-back, which you know would be very interesting considering, you know, if, if Nuno was to be appointed, would he would he be playing a five at the back with wing backs? Uh, I think De- uh, Denzel Dumfries looked really really competent as a wing back. I don't think we got to see a lot of his uh, defensive attributes throughout the game. He, he was much more of an influence going forward, but you know, it, he was certainly an influence going forward. He, yeah. he was involved in so many attacks. You know, obviously scored the goal, should have scored another goal. You know, made one key pass, to, completed a dribble. Won eight headers over the course of the of the game. I think as well. You know, it, it was it was a really really promising performance from him. So you know, if Marcel Brands is looking at players like that, and as you say, if he has got some way down the line at least, then it's going to be a big help for any new manager that's coming in, isn't it? Because it, it would be the worst thing for a new manager to just come in, you know, mid July, uh, mid June as we are now, uh, <laughs> and you know, pre players are coming back in pre season in. A few weeks time you know, he, he really needs as much time as he can to assess the players that he's got and to try and build a system so if marcel brands has already got the ball rolling on the transfer side of things then i think every little helps in my opinion well lads thank you very much for joining me hopefully next time we all speak everton have a point of the manager and we will know the identity of who that will be and who will hopefully take everton forwards into that new stadium at Brandy Moore Dock and bring us the success that I think Everton fans deserve. Thank you for listening. You can check us out on the Royal Blue Podcast's Facebook page or get in touch on Twitter. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.